And welcome in to another episode of Out of Our League. I think this is like, what are we on? 533rd episode? Is that is that where we are? You know what? It feels uh, like not, not quite that match. That's not quite Bill Simmons. Jason joins us from Doha, from the IBC in Doha, where the USA has just vanquished the Iranians to move on to the round of 16, or round of, uh, is it? It's round, 16? 16. 16. round of 16. Yeah. Saturday in the Netherlands. Uh, we'll get Jason's thoughts on the match from uh, embedded, as I said, in the IBC. We'll talk a little Fox coverage. Speaking of Fox, huge weekend for them. Giants, Cowboys, which set all kinds of viewership records. Then they had the U.S. Uh, game against England, and then they had Michigan-Ohio State, and they even had the doubleheader on Sunday, which we'll talk about. And uh, football continues to be king. We've got some random notes from the NFL, some broadcasting stuff, some clock management stuff, and uh, the Mike Smith sports moment of the week. So big show. Let's start with the guy who's – well, Mike, say hello first. Before we before we kick it to Doha, let's kick it to Jersey. Uh, hello, everybody. I think I'm still recovering from that match we just watched. The stress level was at a 10, but we're on to Saturday. So can't wait. All right, Jason, what was it like being – I know you weren't at the game, although you were at the other game. So how's life? So let's talk about the England game. I was at the England game at the El Bayat Stadium, which is, I think, closer to Bahrain than Doha. And it was in the middle of nowhere. It is, I believe, in the shape of a Bedouin tent. And it was hot as hell, like a Bedouin tent. Um, the air conditioning thingamajiggy they're talking about, new. <laughs> Not where I was sitting. Um, it was... It took forever to get out there, even with the media bus. Uh, there was a traffic jam at the exit to go to the stadium. We had a, it did the walk from the media area all the way around to the proletariat ticket area. It was like a half an hour to get in. The security was very, very tight. Um, and we barely got in there, you know, before kickoff. The food was terrible in the stadium. The stadium was nice, but there was really no scoreboard. There's no replays. The clock. Even the clock is too small to see the numbers, um, but it was it was a decent match. U.S. obviously had great um, great chances in the first half and the second half to to win the game. But it was fun to be there. I was with uh, a friend of mine who was working with FIFA. He was actually working um, at the Al Thumama Stadium where the U.S. played tonight, uh, and the in a media role, he kind of helps coordinate all the media people on the field with all the rights holders and everything. So it was just great to have that, to be there. Um, the atmosphere wasn't great. Uh, it's a really huge stadium, I'll buy it. Uh, probably held, could have held 80,000 people if there wasn't media seats taking up half of the upper deck on one side. Um, but um, it was, it was okay. I mean, tonight was in a smaller stadium on the South part of town near the airport. And so the atmosphere was much better. And, you know, I was at the Fox set this week, uh, visited Rob Stone and Alexi and Landon and some of my old colleagues on the production side. And their, you know, their setup is amazing. It's right on the Corniche looking over downtown. Um, it's muggy and it's hot on that set. I went over Saturday night, so I was able to watch some of the Michigan-Ohio State game with them. And 
they got a great setup. You know, they got it's they're in their routine right now, and they get a nice little crowd to come by and watch the matches. Games are on and free for the public, and it, you don't have all the nonsense of the of the fan fest. So, Jay, really Jason, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I wanted to. We probably were remiss last week, and I think it's a good time to ask you. Um, you're obviously there in a professional capacity. What are you yeah. doing? So I am working with HBS. HBS is the host broadcaster. So all the pictures that you all see at home, whether it's training, the matches, the beautiful shots of the stadiums, and the, all the shots that you see, Fox doesn't do any of it. They do zero of it. It all comes from HBS. I'm one of 2,000 people working for HBS. It's kind of like what OBS is for the Olympics. And HBS is the – I'm, I'm working on the, the digital unit, and I do well, – my, my editor and our, and our small team of six of us, we do match day minus one content. So all the press conferences, training, one-on-one interviews, we push that out to the app. So Fox's app, if you want to download Greg Berhalter's sit-down at a press conference from yesterday, I was the one who edited the thing down. So myself and my editor – we edited the thing down. That's what you saw on your either the app that Fox has or on their uh, on their mobile on their mobile phone app. And Jason, you've been there. You've been there now two weeks or so. Uh, Over so two when weeks, you yeah. first so when you when you first get somewhere like you know everything is new and your head's spinning and sort of it's hard to notice things. Now that you've been there a second week, what? What are you noticing as you just walk around town that is just fundamentally unusual to you? There are no dogs anywhere. Is that odd? There's just <laughs> didn't have that one in the pool as an answer. There's You're like they're like there there are cats everywhere. They're like they're they're like cats. Like I was there's a wonderful series of restaurants around our hotel. Um. And I like eating outside at night. And I just, there's like, where are all these cats coming from? There's no food around here, but there are no dogs. There are no rats, there are no cockroaches, there, but there are no dogs. There's just like, just cats, um, which is odd. There are nobody, there's nobody on the street. Now, granted, I, I'm in a very commercial district, but you have to, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of maybe a little bit outside the zone. There's just not a lot of people on the street because um, it's hot. It's upper upper 80s every day. It's humid. I was out the Sukhwakif today, which is the famous shopping, my old school um, Arab market place that they have. Uh, and it was crowded, but it wasn't overwhelmingly crowded. I noticed today it felt like the tournament changed. Because there's no more one o'clock games and no more four o'clock games. It's just the the two windows at six and ten p.m. local time, and I just noticed just, they didn't feel as crowded. Now there were people in their shirts, all you know, England, Wales. I saw a guy, you know, Iran fans, U.S. fans, Dutch fans, but they, they didn't feel over like overwhelmingly crowded. Um, but again, I think the other thing is that. The experience I had going to a neutral match, I went to the Croatia match against Canada. 
They've got like these little dancers, like waving goodbye, like see you next time. Even though you're going to be in this really long procession to get into the, the subway, into the metro. But people are very nice. The fans are, there's, it, it's safe. Um, they're welcoming. The fans from all the teams are really nice. There haven't been, not, there hasn't been nonsense. There's no, not, maybe because there's no booze. There, there's no nonsense. There's no fighting. There's no rough stuff. There's no, just, it's just very mellow and very friendly. But then again, to get here, it's expensive. So riffraff can't come. It's hard for riffraff to get in here because it's, the town's expensive. There's a lot of people flying in from Dubai, from um, UAE, and from Saudi Arabia every day on flights. There's hundreds of flights because it's just too expensive here. Well, Mike, um, we got to get to the NFL, but um, any thoughts you have on Fox's coverage? I mean, they're obviously focusing on what's on the pitch. And I guess, fortunately, there really hasn't been a lot of any kind of unrest. I mean, there's been some gestures. Obviously, that was a prelude to today's game. But by and large, kind of straight down the middle coverage from Fox, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would. I would. I think the only thing that was it's been a mild surprise to me is that they're covering it like they would feels like almost any other sport when, you know, as a sport, you would think both Fox and the U S soccer federation want to be, would want to be pulling in casual fan and non fans. And, you know, they're not really covering the sport as with an easy entry point. If you aren't as familiar with the rules, aren't as familiar with the strategy, aren't as even familiar with the positions. So to me, the, the one mild thing, uh, is a surprise. I would have thought they would have made it a little bit easier to consume if you didn't really know what you're looking at. I, it's interesting because the that's a that's a fine line, you know. Because if you spend a little bit too much time trying to be remedial or falsely casual, you're going to alienate a lot of the people who are very passionate about this. And I, I would, um, if I were sort of doing what they're doing, I I would lean into the avid fan and and just kind of assume that the passion and the pageantry brings in the, the casual fan. But it's an interesting perspective. Jason, I know you have a point. Yeah. We – wasn't my call. We attempted to do that about 10 years ago around the Champions League, and I said, don't do it. And they did it. And they, they had like these comparisons between U.S. sports and soccer and – they brought in Piers Morgan. They did a lot of things. Are these are choices that, that were not or above me? And it was like we got hammered for it, and rightly so. It was just well, you know, was, Turner. T- Turner did the thing with Steve Nash, and and you know, work. I mean, didn't it was work. Kate Abdo and Stu Holden, but they had the funky set, and they kind of ESPN two when it first came on the air approach. I mean. Even using a U.S. guy as their lead play-by-play, I would say in some ways is for the casual fan. Maybe, maybe not. But that's true. They um, wanted America. They 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 definitely wanted a authentic American feel. They wanted to be the absolutely opposite of what NBC does with the Premier League. They want America. We're an American network. We're an American. You know, these, these are American players, American announcers. And we have look. They have Derek Ray who's fantastic. They put Jackie Oakley, who's from on the BBC. They brought her over, Ian Dark. So there is that, but they, 
you know, that was probably too uh, to lengthen the bench. Uh, there were some, uh, there were some play-by-players I thought should be here. Mark Falwell, who calls the Mavericks games on television. Uh, did I see? Did I see Tom Rinaldi? Yes. Did, did I see Tom Rinaldi hosting? Yes. That yes. dude is like the new Mike Tirico. He's like Mike Tirico Jr. He was well, in Cutter. Then he was at the Michigan game. Then he's, he's at back. the Sunday night. I mean, the guy is like at every event. Well, he. He had to fill in because Rob had laryngitis. Rob Stone had laryngitis the first three or four days, so he had to, he had to fill in. And then, where, yeah, was they, you know, they, where was Kate Abdo? Where was Kate Abdo? I don't know. Yeah, man. she's just doing I, a, she's just doing a night show. Exactly. I, I don't know, man. I, you're you're talking to the wrong guy. I mean, speaking of Fox, Mike, they had a huge weekend. I mean, they so they had the Thursday um, Giants Cowboys game, which we had talked about on the show a week ago, would do a great rating. I don't think any of us expected the Bonanza, the highest rated regular season game of all time. Yes, yes, forty two million people, which is really a hard number to wrap your head around. Um, and a monster, incredible. monster rating, with the very heavily promoted in that window, U.S. Uh, England game. And um, then Saturday, until the sort of end of the fourth quarter, a very competitive Ohio State-Michigan game. And then what was a good game when the schedule makers were were at work before the season started, Chiefs-Rams as the doubleheader, but now, of course, is just not a good game. They, the NFL obviously used up all their powder on Thanksgiving Day, but it was worth it. Uh, for sure. I mean, Thanksgiving – across all three games, unduplicated audience across all three networks was 138 million people. So, I mean, think about that. You know, there's just north of 300 million people in the entire United States, 138 million people unduplicated watching some portion of a game on Thanksgiving. Totally insane. And, you know, a sneaky, crazy number is that Ohio State-Michigan game at noon on a Saturday, pulling 17 million people, actually outrating the the U.S. viewership of the USA England match on Friday. So think about all the promotion and all the general interest that would have been behind that, and it just shows you the power of you know how big that game was on Saturday. Ohio State Michigan pulling in a massive number at a noon window, and just I think it just reinforces you know the football is king as a sport uh, in the United States. You know the top two sports in terms of fan favorite: NFL number one, college football number two. Yeah, I, I you know, um, and interesting to sort of be tuned into one network that had three different a a game coverage. You know, like the top of their college is Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. Obviously, we talked about the World Cup, and then Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson. And I gotta say, you know, Joe and Troy are big shoes to fill, but I. I felt like those two guys did a great job in that game. I think Burkhardt is excellent. I think Greg Olson's very good. I I really Romo to me has already Romo Romo sounds like he drinks too much coffee or maybe engages in certain other things. I, 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 he just seems all over the place and I I felt like um I felt like the Fox game was good and then of course we had uh Jason Garrett and Tony Dungy at night, which I was less than thrilled with. But, um, yeah, it was a big, big uh, weekend for the NFL. You're right about football being king. Um, So, obviously, Thursday night, as we said, led to an unperforming national window on Sunday. But that's because, you know, 
there's a lot of football in the Rams. Yeah, well, the thing is sort of, which is interesting, we had talked about, you know, throwing in another bye week um, at some point in another podcast as a way to reduce injuries and stretch out the season and get players rest. And I think what you saw a little bit this Thanksgiving weekend is because this slate on Thanksgiving was so strong and you have a, a sneaky weak team in the Rams, you really had a dearth of games that you could move around and try to create a better national window on Friday. I mean, I I don't think Fox was going to miss out an opportunity to really promote the heck out of Patrick Mahomes. It's rare that he's on their network in that window. But, you know, there wasn't any options really to do some moving and shaking around to try to get a better game in that window, even if they they really wanted to. Um, So uh, that was something that I thought was, you know, sort of interesting and just sort of an interesting foreshadowing of what the NFL scheduling window could look like if you ever did have a uh, scenario or a season with two bye weeks, because you'd have multiple weeks where you're really, uh, you know, fi- crossing your fingers that your national window is going to, going to hold true. The best game of, of the day Sunday, which, which did not go to the nation uh, was the Cincinnati Tennessee game. But you know, that was, a CBS game, I believe, and they still do have almost all the time conference affiliations, but not all the time, which is a little confusing. Like totally when you mentioned Mahomes, I mean, the other day we saw the aforementioned Tony Romo and Jim Nance do Vikings Cowboys, which is traditionally a Fox game. So it's a little bit hard to follow. Um, and uh, I know you had like a question or were, were frustrated that, that uh, CBS couldn't take the end of the Raiders game. Nationally. Yeah, well, you just mentioned like the best game of the week was the Bengals and the Titans, and it certainly was uh, the most uh, important game uh, from a rate from a league playoff uh, standing standpoint. But in some ways, one of the more entertaining game was the Raiders Seahawks game that came down to the wire in overtime with Josh Jacobs putting on a monster performance. And anybody who drafted him really late in their fantasy league is incredibly thrilled with what Josh Jacobs is doing this year. But, you know, burst off a, a walk-off 86-yard touchdown run in overtime, and hardly anybody saw it because the game was not distributed nationally. Uh, and, like, could you just fill us in, like, how the how this thing works from a windowing standpoint? Because I even think some of the, the TV announcers were confused around who was ultimately watching what was on the field. Well, I last worked in the broadcasting department of the NFL in 2003, but I believe they still have the rules of the doubleheader. And the Raiders game was a CBS game, I assume, which was not the doubleheader. The Chiefs-Rams game was the was the doubleheader game. And so I think NFL broadcast rules stipulate that if you're the non-doubleheader game, you start at 4.05 and you've got to be off the air, I would imagine, as soon as the game's over or at least by 7.30. So that's another one of those rules that you know I could see working – back i was going to say 280 that's how long it's been the old address but i could see working back at the office and getting an email from somebody going why weren't we allowed to show this raiders game again and then somebody typing in the rule and somebody saying well we ought to look at that rule so well somebody should look at that rule all right well that's not our responsibility um just uh some game streaks ending the jags brady yeah, I mean, it's why the NFL is great and why gambling is ultimately going to be so popular and why, you know, you never know who's going to win on Sunday. So fun streaks where the Jags, for the first time in 184 games, 
actually won a game when they were down by over seven points with a minute left to go. And, you know, pretty, uh, pretty popular play call by Doug Peterson going for two and the win that day. And equally as unlikely, Tom Brady lost for the first time in 218 games when he was up by seven with two minutes to go in the game. So Tom Brady's season um, just keeps getting worse and, uh, you know, a pretty long streak by NFL standards. Two of them end up going down this weekend. That's how that Vanderbilt statistics uh, work going into that, right? Is that what we're, we're seeing? You know, we love, we love our numbers. We always so, love our numbers. So speaking of numbers, Jeff Saturday had some adventures with the clock. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, early returns were pretty positive, but I think it's only natural that you're going to have some hiccups with someone who's doing something that he's never done before, surrounded by largely uh, inexperienced staff, certainly on the offensive side. And he had some clock misadventures in the Monday night game uh, and initially came out and defended his position. Now, Tuesday came out and uh, did a mea culpa that, you know, was a learning experience and he wished he did it differently. And obviously, Jeff Saturday is not uh, alone in clock misadventures by coaches. You know, Jason's done rants on it. And on any given Sunday, you have Hall of Fame coaches uh, making some pretty egregious errors. But the only thing that's interesting about Jeff Saturday is that it's going to feed into this narrative of uh, he wasn't really ready. And so how does that narrative play in Jeff Saturday's mind? How does it play amongst the staff mind? How does it play amongst his players' mind? And most importantly, you know, Jim Irsay's mind. So uh, I think it'll be interesting watching uh, that the temperature will be up a little bit for similar situations. And, you know, there there's going to always be just another first time that Jeff is going to experience at some point over these remaining games. And, you know, it remains to be seen uh, how he handles them. Yeah. Uh, what a dog game, by the way. I, I mean, just, I, I didn't watch a second of it. Um, for that to be a, a Buck Aikman game is, is one of the downsides of them calling Monday night football. Um, so Thursday night's a big one. Uh, Amazon gets a good one. And then Saturday, we learn that the U.S.-Netherlands game is at 10 a.m. I still think it does a big number. Um, so do you, you think know, it, there's do a story think, now. Do you, think it out, do you think it outrates USA-England? No, but um, because I think the English rivalry is is a bigger rivalry. Friday's a, Black Friday's a better day, and it was more heavily promoted for a concentrated period of time. Um, but I, I think it does a big number, and I think Amazon does their best number of the year this Thursday. And that Giants Cowboys game, I mean, that just that just is a referendum, as you said earlier, on on how huge this sport is. By the way, uh, we got to get to the Mike Smith moment of the week because you were you were honored. Um, but I was thinking when Jason was talking before, we always try and come up with the title of every episode when we when we finish the pod. And I think now the leader in the clubhouse it should be there are no dogs on the streets of Doha. Uh, anyway, I speaking dog, of dogs, the, no dogs of Doha. There are no dogs on the streets of Doha. Um, but I got NBA League Pass. It, they were doing this Black Friday half off thing. Um, I, I it's it's a fascinating world. Like it's a fascinating world to dip into all of these local broadcasts. Oh yeah, that's um, fun. And the tonnage of of games, and I'm going to have more thoughts on on League Pass, but I'm, that's my new toy. I'm I'm playing around with it. Anyway, Mike, Northern Arizona University's director of cross country and track and field. I never knew this was on your resume, 
And then congratulations, because you were awarded the Bill Dellinger Award. And you ask, what is the Bill Dellinger Award? And I'm going to hit you with a lot of initials. It's the USTFCCCA, National Men's Coach of the Year. And you're so understated because this is the fifth time um, you've won this award and the third consecutive year. I'll let you talk even more about your accomplishments, but this is quite impressive. Yeah, not many people know that I like to do long uh, cross country runs uh, in my spare time. So uh, you know, you can generally find me around town or in Flagstaff, Arizona, running ten, twelve miles uh, on a given day. And so, it just it feels good to pay it forward to the next generation and and help the 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 young people of Northern Arizona University uh, just dominate in really uh, the nation's fastest growing sport, which is cross country. Well, that's just, that's truly impressive in your, your versatility. Um, it just never ceases to amaze. Any, any words of wisdom before we get out of here? Well, the, the only thing you mentioned league pass, I think when you watch it, uh, it'd be fun to sort of break it down a little bit. When you watch all these games and all these different arenas, especially through something like league pass, and when they keep it during the commercial break, you see how all of the between during the commercial rituals and like everything about the in-stadium experience is so similar across all those venues. And so there's a centralized function within the NBA that rolls out best practices and uh, common platforms that all the clubs tap into. So all the little camera stuff, the uh, songs, um, you know, the things that happen on the court to, to kill time, it's all the same in almost every single venue. And so it's fun for you to uh, pick that out and see sort of who's doing it well and who's trying to do it and not very well at all. And it's weird. Like, okay, so first of all, there's the announcers, you know, the, the individual announce teams. Some are better than others. I'm, I'm sure the more I watch, I'll have more favorites, less favorites. But um, when they do sort of have a timeout or halftime or whatever, it's just, there's no thought at all for the television. It's, you're just sort of on this weird interstitial promo or a, a, a a faraway camera. There's no actual programming. And it just seems to me like a huge missed opportunity. Um, so I'm going to have more thoughts about that and then come up with something really creative and take it to the NBA and the NBA can say thanks, but, but no thanks. But, but it does seem like, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to do something, but to your point, yeah, it's, it's super weird. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, Jason, you, are you with us next week from Doha or are you back home? I am uh, flying home Sunday, so it'll take me all day to get home. But I'm, all right, I'm so back Jason in America. will be back. Can't wait. America, let's go. Jason will be back with us with his sort of uh, final World Cup uh, postmortem. Um, hey, everybody have a good week. And remember, there are no dogs on the streets of Doha. But there are cats. There are definitely cats.